the Oklahoma City Thunder trade into the top 10 and they get Kaysan Wallace. What does this mean for the future of this roster, for the future of this rebuild? And what does Sam Presti have to say about this draft? All coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Game Time. Let's dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Kisson Wallace at pick 10 by trading into the top 10 with the Dallas Mavericks to get case and Wallace. Was this the right move? What did OKC give up? Is Keontae Johnson possibly a steal and what place does Davis Bertans have here? So it's a jam packed show to recap the 2023 NBA draft. Of course, brought to you by our good friends over at game time, download the game time app. Uh, that way you can get the last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And what a day it's been. We have been counting down the days till draft day, and now it's over. We have all of our answers. The Thunder trade into the top 10. And this is an idea that I floated out initially the night of the lottery. Because as, as Dallas was looking to trade their pick for a veteran, I pondered, hey, what if, what if they can't find that veteran trade and instead they move back two slots and take their prospect there? And OKC gets into the top 10. That's exactly what happened. Uh, Dallas moves back two slots. They send Davis Bertans' contract plus pick 10 to OKC. It creates Dallas a traded player exception, which they later use to pick up a late first round pick from Sacramento. Uh, and, and OKC gets pick 10 for Derek Lively. So they swap pick 12 Derek Lively for Casey uh, Wallace at pick 12. I mean, I'm sorry, I picked 10. So when you look at this trade, I think that the, the shock value was there. Off the board at the time was Victor, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Eamon Thompson, Azar Thompson, Anthony Black, Balak Lubali, Dries Walker, and Taylor Hendricks. So the Thunder trade up to 10, and you have Grady Dick on the board. You have Kobe Bufkin on the board. Uh, you have Cam Whitmore on the board falling. And then they select Kaysen Wallace. When, when you look at how unpredictable this draft was, those, those fallers we mentioned, plus guys like Leonard Miller falling to 33, Kobe Jones, Maxwell Lewis, guys that people loved at 34, at 40, Ryan Repair at 43, CD Sissoko, Gigi Jackson, 44, 45. When you look at how unpredictable this draft was and how fairly off-base most mock drafts were, and you couple that with the sources that told me, and I've told you on this podcast, that sources told me that Kaysan Wallace was not going to last past pick 10. Sources from a different front office said that. 
that he was not going to last past pick 10. When you couple that information with the fact that OKC went up to 10, it makes me believe that despite the conventional mock draft thinking, Wallace was going to go 10 and he was OKC's guy and they went and got their guy. And it just so happens that OKC is the team that picks Case and Wallace at 10. And I think he makes sense for OKC. And the bottom line here is to, to recap the trade portion before we move into uh, the, the Case and Wallace portion. Sam Presti identified Case and Wallace as his target, as his prospect. And in order to get Case and Wallace, he used that salary tool I've been telling you about. He used that salary tool, which was entering the draft top five in the league in the new year um, to take on a bad contract to go get his guy. That's all he did. He didn't give up. A, he didn't give up a future draft capital. He didn't give up a player. He gave up nothing except for the salary space that he was not going to use in free agency anyway. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who the player was that they received at 10. It was their guy and it cost them nothing to do this. So I, I think overall you have to give the Thunder, a, a passing grade in this trade, and also Dallas a passing grade in this trade because of the fact that they got off of Bartons' contract, which looks totally different in the scope of OKC, which we're going to get to later on as well. But let's dive into right now what Casey and Wallace looks like in OKC. So without giving up any draft capital and taking on uh, the Bartons' contract, which makes OKC a little bit more flexible, the Thunder get Casey and Wallace, who is an intense intense player it's something that was that was jumping out to me as Sam Presti was discussing Wallace after the draft was over was the fact that he uh and AC AC law both were saying you know how all business minded he is how, how it's strictly basketball it's strictly business even at the McDonald's All-American game he's doing basketball drills he's not there just to you know kind of for a lack of a better term he's not there just to goof around and 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 kind of make a scene and kind of uh, um, be there for the experience. He's trying to get better, even at the McDonald's All-American you know, setting. And so the work ethic, the intensity, the, the business attitude fits in with what OKC is trying to do. On the court, you have to love his catch-and-shoot potential. You have to love his defense. His frame is similar to Lou Dort, but he's also, of course, lighter than Lou Dort. He's only 195 pounds. So at Kentucky, Case and Wallace played 32 games, scored 11 points per game, three rebounds per game, and four assists per game. His shooting splits ended off at 44, 34, and 75, which, you know, 34 from three is not terrible. 75% from the free throw line is above that 70% threshold that teams look for um, at the free throw line to project if you can shoot from beyond the arc at the next level. The big kicker here is two steals per game and half a block per game to kind of put into context just how good he is on the defensive end. I did deal with some injuries at Kentucky, mainly the back spasms that, that you've mostly been aware of at this point, uh, following draft coverage, obviously. And that's when the numbers took a bit of a turn, because if you look at the start of the season, so from November all the way through the end of January, from November all the way through January 28th, Wallace was shooting 40% from three on four attempts a game. Pretty significant, pretty good, like, like pretty great from beyond the arc, as a matter of fact, especially in the college game where there's less spacing, where, you know, there's, there's less just overall cohesive offensive production at the college ranks. 
He's a guy who can defend, I'm going to say one through three and a half. Because do you want him being the point of attack guy on a four for 20 minutes a night plus? No. But if your opposition gets him switched on to a four, do you throw your hands up and just panic? No, he can hold his own. He can handle it. But it's not just a completely advantageous situation for you. So that's why I say one through, you know, three and a half. I really like his rim scoring. I think he's a very savvy and, and smart playmaker. He He's going to get the job done. He's going to facilitate. He's going to set up his teammates. He's going to make your offense hum and better. But he's also not going to turn the ball over. And I hate to tag him as risk-averse, as I've seen some people do. Because to me, risk-averse means that, you know, you are just shy or, like, scared to make the big play. Scared to to gamble, scared to um, try to do the extraordinary. You're only going to stick to the ordinary. I think instead of risk averse, he's just a really good blackjack player, poker player, whatever casino game you want to pick from. He understands when to try that extraordinary play. And he understands when to try the ordinary play. It's how he he avoids, um, you know, terrible situations. It's how he avoids turnovers and avoids uh, bad spells. You can play him on ball and off ball offensively, which Sam Presti pointed out, like, look, that had that is the pathway to unlocking this team. This team has played significantly better whenever you whenever you surround them with guys who can play on and off ball on the offensive end. Sam Presti is telling you these things um, in these press conferences. Huge boost to the secondary unit. Just full stop, huge boost to the offensive unit uh, whenever the bench is in. Like this, is, this is huge for this team, and it elongates their depth, and it makes them a more competitive roster for 48 minutes. And along those same lines, I challenge you today, as you're sitting around, you, know, you're, you, you might be dragging a bit. If you watch that entire draft... Uh, today at work, you might be dragging a bit. While you're sitting around, I want I want to challenge you. Find me this combination. Find me the combination, the lineup with this current roster where Mark does not have two to three high end defenders on the floor. I I legitimately think if you if you were assigned, if you were hired by the Thunder and you were locked inside of Mark's office and you said you have to conjure up a lineup where there is not two to three high-level defenders on the floor in any given combination, you could not do it. Which is very fun and very awesome what this team is going to be built on. This team will be built on defense. The catch-and-shoot stuff's great, 35%. The dribble-jumper stuff's great, 41%. At the rim, he shot 64%. And along that same line at the rim, going back to decision-making, I like his balance of finishing soft, you know, quote unquote soft, shying away from contact, um, pushing a floater up there, but also finishing loud and going through contact and absorbing contact uh, and hanging in the air to contort his body to finish. He, he picks his spots well where he's not, he's not just going to ramrod his way down there and just lose control, but he's also not going to consistently shy away from contact where it's a detriment to his game. He picks his spots very well. He's just, a, he's just an overall mature player an overall mature player in the pick and roll. He was in the 71st percentile, which is again, tying back to the, 
the, the greatness of uh, what he can do to the second unit. And then another category that I think about his game that does not get enough praise yet, and I think it soon will. When we talk about Cason Wallace, and you and you talk about how you're going to put him in the second unit, to me that also means you're playing him with J. Will. And at Kentucky, Cason Wallace was in the 73rd percentile. That is a point per possession on handoff opportunities. You know who's really, really good operating in the high post and getting handoffs for his guards? Jay will He's a, he's extraordinary at that. He is electric at that. I really, really like that for him. So I like that pairing. I, I, watch out for that. I, I'll, I'll be tracking the Jay will wallace plus minus duo uh, for, for the future. And then you also always, 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 whenever you're talking about a Kentucky guard, you have to throw in the stigma around Kentucky guards, that they're just going to get better in the NBA. They're just going to explode in the NBA because to this point, they all have. So that's another feather in his cap. This is a really good pick. And it's not as though this came out of nowhere. The night OKC had the 12th overall pick in the lottery. I wrote on Thunder's Intentions that you know he was one of the top three options at that slot. On this very podcast this week, Derek Parker of Draft Digest and Inside the Thunder and Brennan Rabar of Daily Thunder each made their final prediction that Wallace would be the pick. So I, I think that this is, all in all, uh, a, a really good decision for OKC. Now, coming up, let's talk about his impact with and on Lou Dort. Let's talk about the burning question does OKC have too many guards? Let's talk Davis Bertans and the second round pick, Keontae Johnson, all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is incredible. Bird Dogs is where you want to go because they are the thunder of clothes. Birddogs.com slash locked in NBA. You're going to get these awesome shorts and they're versatile. You can wear them to a business meeting. You can wear them working out. You can wear them around the house. You can wear them on a walk. You can wear them to church. You can wear them anywhere you want to wear them to. They are flexible, uh, both stylistically and literally flexible. They're they're perfect. They, they, are, they are the best shorts that I've ever worn personally. And when you act now and go to birddogs.com slash locked in NBA, you're going to get a free Yeti style tumbler with the Bird Dogs logo on it with every order. It's a great tumbler a great logo and it keeps your coffee hot all day long. So if you, know, if you brew a cup of Joe and you get distracted within your work, it's still going to be hot for you whenever you pop the top back uh, and take a sip the next time. I love the tumbler. I use it every day, but also I love the shorts. I wore the shorts to the Thunder practice facility to watch the draft and to talk to Sam Presti. So if they're good enough to talk to Sam Presti in, they're good enough for you to wear anywhere you're going in life. I can tell you that certainly. Go to birddogs.com slash locked in NBA. Check it out today and get that Yeti style tumbler. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. What a night. What a draft. We're sitting here at 4.10 a.m. Recapping it all. Let's talk. Cason Wallace and Lou Dort. Let's start with what they do in the in the short term. I think back to Stephen Adams writing in his book how Kendrick, how Kendrick Perkins 
helped Stevie Adams, helped him grow, helped him establish himself, his mentality, um, his body, his everything for the NBA game. And while no comparison is perfect, when you're talking about a rookie who is going to be tasked with being a high-level defender someday in the NBA, I can't think of a better person to you know, tutor him than a guy like Lou Dort, who is intense and brings that intensity and brings his lunch pail every single game, who top scores around the league like Dame and everyone else sa- says is one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the league. Kaysan Wallace getting to learn from that guy, getting to watch film with that guy, getting to practice against that guy. Like that is invaluable experience in and of itself and can truly change the outcome of not only Wallace's career, but the trajectory of the thunder. You, you couple that with the fact that Mark's calling card throughout his time here has been his defense in large part. Thanks to Cam Woods, who's now the blue head coach and, and Sam Presti's discussed how, you know, part of their developmental pathway is by playing with the blue uh, and also the staff at large, the staff around Mark at large, really good at developing defense. This team is really good at developing defense, really good at putting guys in position to, to excel defensively as a team, which is brilliant to maximize Wallace's skill set. Then you go a step further. Okay, great. So you have the coach and you have the teammates. That's perfect. You also have the work ethic. You also have the approach. AC Law and Sam Presti raved and raved and raved about the work ethic and the business mentality of Case and Wallace. They, they brought that up nearly every answer to a question that had Case's name in it. So I think it's pretty legit. They talked about how they just cannot wait to get their hands on Wallace and, and, and to get him in the system uh, because of his work ethic and because of his um, business-like mentality. So that's just the, the, the foremost thought on the impact with Wallace and Lou Dort. Secondarily, eventually, this is not something that's going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen within the year, I don't think. But eventually, it does make Lou Dort more expendable. Because given the upside of Case and Wallace, Lou Dort is the only player on the roster not named Shea that is making any significant amount of money that you would need to help facilitate a trade and help match salaries if you ever did want to do something major. And so getting that insurance policy to give you the flexibility of that possibility is never a bad thing either. But I think that that is, again, secondary to all the positive things that we just broke out. I don't believe Case and Wallace is going to turn into Lou Dort. And I think he has a much higher upside than Lou Dort offensively. And then, of course, defensively, we'll see if he can ever reach the heights that Lou Dort has already reached and, and or maybe even surpass it. So they're not going to be the same player, but I do think that they're going to help each other out. Just like Perkins helped out Adams and allowed Adams to, to carry the baton to the next phase of Thunder basketball. Here it is. The burning question. Do the Thunder have too many guards? That's the question. That's the statement. That's the opinion. The Thunder have too many guards. Oh, they drafted another guard. I can't believe it. Can you believe that they drafted another guard? Find me the guards. That's what I want to ask you. If you're going to comment on Twitter, if you're going to comment on YouTube, 
I want you to list me the guards on this roster before you ask the question, before you make the statement, before you declare that the Thunder have way too many guards on this roster, find me the guards. List me the guards, the true guards on this roster. The whole point of this rebuild has been to build a positionless team. But yet we still get caught up in what letter is next to somebody's name. Quite frankly, I don't care what letter they put next to your name, my name, or Sam Presti's name, or Jalen Williams' name, or Lou Dort's name, or Aaron Wiggins' name, or Lindy Waters' name, or Shea's name, or Josh Giddy's name. I don't care. They could put a W. They could put a B. They could put a Z. They could put an X. They could put a T. I don't care. As a matter of fact, I wish they'd put a B for basketball player. Once again, as the Thunder draft another quote-unquote guard, take the hint and find me the cards. This is twofold. This message here is twofold. Number one, and the most prevalent answer to this question, Josh Giddy, quite literally, played one through five. He spent time playing center this year. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara quite literally played one through five. He quite literally played center this year. Kenrich Williams, three through five. Aaron Wiggins, two through four. Lindy Waters, three through four, like all of these people who you are saying are guards do not functionally play guard and especially are not pigeonholed into only playing guard. There's only one player on this roster, quite possibly two, that I would extend to you can only play guard. Trey Mann can only play guard. I would possibly extend to you Isaiah Joe as only playing guard, although I consider him to be able to play small forward. So find me all these guards. And another thing, which is the second fold, we cannot spend the entire 82-game season saying things like, oh, Trey Mann's not cutting it. Saying things like, oh, goodness, when are they going to move on from Lindy Waters? Saying things like that. We can't say things like that. And then when it comes July, complain that they've gotten another guard. The Thunder do not have too many of anything. The Thunder have four incredible players. They have some really nice role players. And then they have some spots on this roster that can get upgraded. But most importantly, regardless of all that, regardless of your opinion on one through 17 on this roster, the most important thing is that there are not enough players who can only play guard or have even only played guard to this point or have even played the majority of their time in the NBA at the guard position for you to say they have too many guards. Watch the games. Watch the Thunder play basketball. And tell me how many times Aaron Wiggins has played the guard position. Watch the Thunder play basketball and tell me how many times Lindy Waters has played the guard position. Lou Dort 
starts at small forward. Kenneth Williams was best utilized as the small ball center this year. J-Dub starts at power forward. So when you go and you say that the Thunder have too many guards, I just think you're not watching. They have one guy who can functionally only play guard, and he's like the 17th man on the roster. He's the guy that has spent this side of Darius Baisley the most time on the hot seat by the fan base. But yet you come to me every day. I'm here for you every day. I'll continue to be here for you every day. And you come to me every day and say, they have too many guards. I just don't get it. I really do not get it. So if you so choose to have that opinion, which I grant you to have in the comment section on YouTube and on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. If you so choose to have that opinion, list off all the guards first and then think to yourself, do they truly play guard? Coming up, Davis Bertans and Keontae Johnson. That went long. I apologize to uh, the bosses, but nonetheless, we're talking to you about our good friends over at Game Time. Game Time, go there right now. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your next purchase because they get you the last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed because buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be stressful. You shouldn't get as worked up as I just got when you're buying tickets to your favorite event. It should be fast. It should be easy. And you can get all sports, music, comedy, theater, everything you want to with killer deals on last-minute tickets at the best prices guaranteed. You can stop stressing over the event and start getting excited about the fun you're going to have. Check it out today. Check it out today. They have event cancellation protection. They have job loss cancellation protection. They have a, a billion options for you to protect yourself and also have fun doing it. Plus, if you somehow find a better deal, which you will not, you're going to get 110% of the difference credited to you uh, to make up for it. So check it out today by go going to Game Time. When you download the Game Time app, create your account, use code locked in MBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create that account. Redeem code locked in MBA, $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app, Game Time app today to get started on the last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Also, I want to tell you right now, but our good friends over at Game Time. Game Time's fantastic. It makes watching sports more fun, in my opinion. You can go download the Game Time app or go to Prospect. I mean, I'm sorry. You can go download the Prospects app or go to Prospects.com and use code Locked On to get 100% deposit match up to $100. Folks, the Prize Picks app and the Prize Picks model makes watching sports more fun, especially whenever you, you might not necessarily care about the outcome of the game, but you just want to watch a game specifically for baseball right now is what I'm really on a kick on with prize picks. I go through cycles, you know, whenever football's back, I'll be itching to play uh, the NFL and college football prize picks. And then of course the NBA, I play it nightly, but you know, in the summertime, I like to kick back and relax and, and watch some baseball, but make it in, make it interesting. And so what you do is you pick two to six players and you project, are they going to, are they going to score more or less than their prize picture projections? And you can get 25 times your money on any entry. So you take, for example, Bobby Witt Jr., Will he have more or less than one and a half hits? And Wander Franco, will he have more or less than one and a half hits? And you see if you can win 25 times your money by getting the answer right. There is no competing against other players. It's just you versus the projection. So you are able to uh, 
make these projections and have fun without worrying that you're in a, that you're in a pool with these people who know, who know way more than you. It's just having fun against these projections. They have it for all leagues, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basket, cricket, and more. Check it out today by going to the Price Picks app or uh, PricePicks.com and use the code Locked In NBA for a hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred dollars. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Davis Bertans is in Oklahoma City, and I don't think that we're discussing Bertans' situation correctly. He is a bad player for Dallas. He was a bad contract for Dallas. He's a bad player in the grand scheme of things because he's a one-dimensional player. Can't really play defense that well. However, that perception changes in Oklahoma City. So entering the new league year, OKC had top five in the league cap space as that new year will enter. They're then going to consummate this trade and no longer have top five in the league cap space. But... You know, heading into this trade, they had top five in the league cap space and they were not going to be players in free agency. And I told you, they're going to use this tool. Sam Presti does not let resources go to waste. And so they use it to move up two slots. They essentially bought their way up the draft board. They they literally purchased it by taking on Bertanza's contract. And he's owed $17 million this year. Uh, he's technically owed $16 million. However, uh, they can terminate him for only $5 million, uh, at the end of this next season. So, uh, it, you, you know, really, you're going to be out the $17 million this year, then, then five more million, and then that's kind of it for, for Bartons. And you might be able to flip him at the deadline, um, which is a possibility. Who knows? Now, again, on Dallas, which is a thin roster that's trying to go all in, that's trying to win uh, and maximize their championship window with Kyrie and Luka, he's a bad player and a bad fit and a bad contract. And they had to move off of him. That is all true. And, and I am not going to sugarcoat that, that he was a bad player and a bad fit for Dallas. However, in OKC, in OKC, where they weren't going to use that money anyway on anything significant, they had money to blow. Dallas, no money to blow. OKC, money to blow. They can afford to have Bertans in this hypothetical role where he's just a spot minute player. Dallas didn't have that luxury of having spot minute players that they needed players. They needed depth. They needed veterans. And they, and they were trying to get that from Bertans and he just could not provide it for them with OKC. They're happy giving him DNPs. Like they don't care, but in the interim, could you give him five to 10 minutes? Like could Bertans give you five to 10 minutes at night and you shoot some threes and Hey, he might go in there for a 10 minute stretch and hit three threes. He also might go over three. Doesn't really matter. He also might not play at all that night. Who cares? But I think when you look at Bertans, the value is because you can afford the money and because you can afford the roster spot and because you can afford five to 10 minutes a night without in it, without you know impeding anyone's development, you're now getting a guy that has only shot below 44% on the corner threes once. So one time in his whole career has he gone worse than 44% on corner threes. One time in his whole career has he gone worse than 37% in total threes. For a team that's lacking shooting, you get Bertans, who's a good catch-and-shoot guy, and you can throw him in sometimes, you cannot play him sometimes, who cares? And you also gain flexibility 
uh, you know, in a, in a possible trade. Like what if, what if you can use him to match salaries um, in a trade, which I don't think will happen this off season necessarily, but I think could happen at the deadline maybe, or maybe it just never materializes at all. But at the end of the day, you literally bought your way two spots up the board for a guy who I've reported is, was not going to be there past 10. So if that sourcing is correct, then you got your guy whenever you needed to go get him, and you're out nothing. And if you're asking yourself, where are the minutes? I'd remind you that this whole year they spent playing Mike Muscala and Dario, and Dario Sarge. So like, it's not going to hurt anyone to play Bertans five to 10 minutes. It's not going to hurt anyone to, to play him. Never. Like it doesn't matter. But the Thunder weren't going to be big fishes in free agency anyway. They weren't going to go bidding on a lot of stuff in free agency anyway. So it just it just is a nothing story. And I think that it's a it's a trade where both sides win. OKC got their guy for doing nothing. Dallas got off of the Bertans contract, which created a TPE, which allowed them to go get not only Derek Lively at twelve, but go get Omax uh, in the latter half of the first round with with Sacramento. Fantastic draft day by Dallas. I really enjoyed what they did. But I also enjoyed what OKC did. I think that it's another um, win-win type of trade. Now, at pick 50, the Thunder um, had an interesting pick 50. They drafted a Keontae Johnson out of Kansas State, who was 38th on my big board. And OKC got him at 50. Um, Keontae Johnson, 78th percentile overall offense, 60, uh, 86th percentile in spot-up shooting, 78th percentile as a cutter, 60th percentile as an isolation player, 45% on catch-and-shoot looks, 54% whenever those those uh, catch-and-shoot looks are open. At the rim, he shot 64%. Kind of a kind of an interesting body type, that, like a body type that the Thunder don't really have much of. Um, and, and, and also, you know, what a story from him just medically, uh, having to go you know, through that medically-induced coma. He was al- almost no longer with us. And he comes back, and he plays great at Kansas State and becomes an NBA draft pick. That's all awesome. Uh, you know, mechanically, he'll likely be on a two-way contract. Uh, where the Thunder have seen success, I mean, obviously, namely, Lou Dort and Wiggins, um, you know, on this roster currently, uh, who went that route. But as a little side note, he also hit the game clenching shot against Kentucky uh, to knock them out of the tournament, to knock uh, Case and Wallace out of the tournament. But I'll leave you with this. I think that the Thunder have done their due diligence. Like the Thunder have been preaching and preaching and preaching that um, they draft people, that they draft the person with the player. Um, and Kathy Johnson said after the draft that the vibes and connection just, just clicked in OKC whenever he was meeting in OKC. Um, I asked Sam Presti about those said vibes that they got from Johnson as a person. And I put that whole video um, on my Twitter account. So you know, I, I don't mean to plug it in this way, but I just don't, I don't want to misquote Sam in any way about this subject. So um, go and watch that if you want to. But, but I will say this, the Thunder, I think, have earned the trust, not that they've drafted a good basketball player necessarily, but that they've drafted, a, you know, that they've done their due diligence on the person that they've drafted at pick 50. So I'll leave it there. But I, I, in general, on the basketball court, I do like Kathy Johnson, especially to fill that two-way deal. I could see Kathy Johnson being a player who, by February, we are saying, you know, they need to convert him to a, to a Presti special type of contract. Um, I, I could truly see that being the case for Johnson. Um, they're all, they're obviously not all going to work out. Like all, every guy you take in the fifties and, and put on a two way deal or go undrafted and put in a two way deal aren't all going to work out. Um, but I, I really could see 
um, Keontae Johnson working out. Obviously, I had him at 38 on my big board, so I really do like him um, for for OKC and for just the, the draft in general. The Thunder also signed a guy to an Exhibition 10 contract, um, Caleb McConnell from Rutgers, who, is, who, from everyone I've talked to, he's one of the best defensive prospects in the draft. So the Thunder worked him out pre-draft. Someone to keep an eye on. Again, the addition of the third two-way contract where you get three options of two-way um, deals, and the Thunder currently have no one on, on a two-way contract. Uh, Jared Butler and Olivier Saar are on restricted free, agent, you know, free agency right now. So they technically have nobody signed to a two-way deal, so they have all three options open to them. Uh, could be interesting. If he, if he has a good summer league, I would not be shocked to see uh, Caleb become a, another uh, two-way deal for OKC. So something to keep an eye on there. But we've gone long again. Apologize for that. But hope you enjoyed our recap uh, <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning. I promise uh, we're just going to keep getting better from here. Monday, we're going to do a Mailbag Monday because I'm sure you have a lot of questions about the draft. Uh, I, I, think, I think we're going to talk to the rookies Saturday. I'm not sure if we do talk to them on Saturday because, again, I don't know how it's going to work given the fact that, that – Wallace was technically in a trade. Uh, but if we do talk to them Saturday, I'll, I'll have a recap of that on Saturday night as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and until next time, be good and be good to one another.